the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to another edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. For the next hour, we'll be talking about managing your money, building your wealth, and working toward financial independence. That is really what retirement is all about. Aptus is ready to give you a free consultation. You can set up that consultation online by going to their website, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. While you're there, subscribe to their YouTube channel, and you can also make your appointment on the phone, their office number is 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. If you're out of the area, no worries. They deal with clients remotely. They are located just off Route 750, a little north of 23 and 270. So, Josh, let's start with inflation. We're into our third calendar year where the monthly inflation number has been something that gets headlines whenever it comes out. The latest number for January of 2023, 6.4%. That means prices in the index rose from January 2022 to January 2023. They rose 6.4%. But I'm looking at January 2022, and the inflation index was 7.48 or 7.5%. So does that mean that from... January 2021, when inflation was under the level that everybody says they want it at, 2%, that basically in the last two years, we've had prices rise the combined number of 2022 January and 2023 January. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a struggle for a lot of people. It seems like on, on one side of the, the, you know, the camp, if you will, you have people saying, you know, this was a necessary evil. We knew that inflation was going to create out of control, but it was for the greater good because we, you know, shot this huge influx of capital into the market during COVID when people weren't allowed to go to work. And, you know, at first, I guess they said that wasn't going to cause any inflation. But I think anybody that, that had a relative brain realized that when you put $5 trillion of extra money into the economy, it's probably that you just made up out of thin air. It's probably going to cause inflation. Um, but, you know, that same camp is saying that, well, yeah, but in spite of all of the inflationary pressures, it seems like the market's still doing pretty well relatively. Yeah. seems like wages are going up relatively well. Um, but then there's this other side, which I think, you know, there's always the the working uh, slash, um, you know, market economy, and then there's the real economy. So let's point to somebody who's maybe, you know, living on a fixed income. A large chunk of that inflationary pressure came from basic items that we can't live without. So if you look at the price of eggs, for example, it's higher than the inflation rate. That you yes, definitely. Look at the price of gasoline during that same time period, higher. But that's being kind of juxtaposed with technology prices, which by and large year over year go down. 
So I would say that the problem is actually larger than that for people who are entering into retirement, and we're certainly feeling the pressure, and I hear it every day. So, and I don't want to pursue this too much because I do want to get into how we deal with inflation because that's what we're here for, and that's why you guys exist at Aptus is to help people deal with whatever is causing volatility to take advantage of market conditions where you can grow your investment and to bulletproof yourself against market conditions when it's more challenging to grow your investments. But I guess one question I would have is uh, the federal government shut everything down for COVID. We all understand that. And then they gave people money because you weren't able to go to work. But if people had been able to go to work, the market, the general working of the economy would have created paychecks and that paycheck would have been spent on this, that, the other. So is there a simple answer to why the government giving that money? Is it because the government had to borrow that money or print that money? Is that is that why it was who put the money into the system rather than it coming into the system organically or the way it always had from the workings of a market economy? A hundred percent. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors m- that move the needle on inflation. And, and one of them is, you know, the devaluation of the dollar. Obviously, we could point to other things like supply chain issues, et cetera. But when we're speaking specifically of what did the government do to cause inflation, the government does not create or generate anything, which is why I always find it somewhat comical when they say we created so many jobs. Yeah. No, you didn't. You reallocated money from someone's tax dollars to create a job with it. Um, it's not a profitable endeavor. These are civil type uh, jobs. But what the government did is they had a certain amount of tax dollars coming in. Those tax dollars, in fact, went down because of either we cut the taxes because of COVID or because people weren't simply working, generating the tax dollars. And then we went to the Fed and said, hey, we need to borrow some money. The Fed prints money, give, puts it to their balance sheet, gives it back to the, to the federal government in the way of notes. They interject that back into the economy, and it's made up money. So anytime you have more supply than you did before, well, then, you know, the value goes down. It's pretty simple economics 101. And the hope was that as long as we can do that to get over this hump, and then start curtailing that type of expenditure, and the economy continues to grow, then we'll, quote, unquote, come in for a soft landing. Soft landing, landing, right. right. We hear that all the time, the soft landing. And we don't know yet if there will be a soft landing or not, but we did see the Fed raise rates a little bit, less than they had been raising rates, which I guess is uh, a sign that they believe that things are trending in the right direction. Well, it could be one of two things. They could believe that things are trending trending in the right direction, but it also could be that they believe that, any significant rate increase back to back to back to back, this would have been the fifth, fifth yeah. significant rate increase, would have cooled off the economy so much that it could have turned us into not a soft landing, but more of a downward spiral. So it's a it's a delicate balancing act. I mean, up to this point, I feel like the Fed is doing a pretty decent job, uh, but that does not mean that you're not going to hear in the news all of the gloom and doom as well. So, And sometimes when I hear the gloom and doom forecasts, uh, it is listed with a smiley face emoji that the only way to get things back in line, back to when inflation is 2%, which is the acknowledged okay number. The only way to go through that is with some either short-term or hopefully medium and not long-term pain, recession. They always say, you know, we need a recession. Nobody wants one, but you need one. Do you subscribe to that theory? or Maybe, maybe a better question is, what is the argument for that theory? Well, there's this belief that there's a slinking effect in the economy. So we'll have periods of significant expansion, and in time, in good times, we end up taking on a lot of fat, if you will. We create positions that maybe aren't necessary. We overspend on things that we shouldn't have. And then there's this correction period where the slinky comes back and shrinks it again. Mm-hmm. 
And some of that's natural. You know, it's no different than if you look at a forest. Sometimes there's forest fires that clears, you know, the big trees so that the underbrush can come back through, which is very important. But I, I would argue that nobody's really excited about a forest fire. Or another metaphor would be, you know, exercising. And I think this is a a great thing, you know, a great metaphor. If you look at uh, people in general, they usually wait until it's pretty late in the game to get back to the gym and start eating well. Well, that's not a pain-free process. No. If you've been eating junk food for the last 10 years and now you decide you're going to eat nothing but chicken and rice, that is not going to be an easy endeavor. So the hope is that if we can start to chip away at this problem sooner rather than later, then it doesn't end up being, you know, the biggest loser show. It's maybe just, hey, I got a gym membership uh, and I'm not going to give up on my New Year's resolution this year. So that's the hope. Yeah. We are uh, talking about growing your wealth. Managing your wealth is what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center. Josh joins me every Monday on the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer at 12.30 p.m. for Money Monday. This show airs at 7 p.m. Friday night, and it replays at noon Saturday, so tell your friends about it. You can set up a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. They'll ask you about your risk tolerance. They'll ask you about your investments. You can ask them questions. You get to know each other. My wife and I have gone through that process, and we've decided to uh, side with Josh to represent us, and it's really taken a lot of the worry out of worrying about or thinking about our retirement because we have someone who's on that case for us, and he is required by law to do what is best for us. It's called a fiduciary relationship. Josh and his team can explain that to you much better when you go in for your free consultation. Set it up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You can also make your appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040, Are people who you deal with starting to lose their patience with this inflation, and uh, or have they come to a grudging acceptance of it in maybe the first few months of dealing with it is the real high worry months, and now they've gone through a period, as we say, we're kind of about, mm, I'd say, 18 months into this with no realistic end in sight. Maybe they're handling it better now because they've dealt with it for 18 months. Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's definitely a concern, uh, and there are certain people that are just always going to be more fearful than others just by nature, regardless of whether or not it's warranted. Um, I, I can't think of a single person that's really excited about the inflationary environment, But, you know, when you face times like these, I think it's important to, I don't know if you've read the book uh, or or heard the speech by Admiral McRaven, where he says, if you want to change the world, make your bed. He's the guy, he was the the Navy SEAL, right? He talks about the sugar cookie rule where they got dressed and they got thrown in the sand every day. Yeah, well, he wrote this kind of little, little book that was really a direct offshoot from a speech that he did at the University of Texas, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, where he says, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And I bring that up, this may sound like a far reach, but when you're facing times like inflation, stock market crisis, et cetera, it's important to step back and say, what can I control and what can't I? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about this is, you know, there's people that live in all of this fear. There's people that have all these concerns. There's people that just no matter what you give them, they seem to have a yeah, but for it. And here's some statistics that I ran across this morning that I think point to this directly. 60% of people in the United States right now fear running out of money in retirement more than death. So 60%. (laughs) 70% of people believe that Social Security is going to run out, i.e. stop making payments to them in their lifetime. Okay, that would get back to fear number one. Right. Yet only 22% of people believe that they have done even remotely close to adequate planning 
to circumvent any of these issues in retirement. So you have 60% of people saying that they're more scared of running out of money than death, but only one-third of those people are actually doing a darn thing about it. So, you know, if you want to start to curtail some of these fears that you have, if you, you know, go back to the old metaphor of working out, you know, you can join a gym, but you actually have to go. Yes. All right. If you have these fears, do something about it. Start to prioritize what you should be doing and actually take a step. Now, the good news is it might sound like an insurmountable giant leap. Um, it may sound embarrassing, and you can speak maybe to this because you've been through the process. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier than you think. All you have to do is make one phone call, sit for one meeting, and be honest. Yep. And the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. Now, you have to be you know, vigilant and disciplined to actually follow through on whatever those recommendations are. But I think oftentimes people come in believing that I have all these fears and I know darn well the only solution is going to be he's going to tell me I have to save 150% of what I make to get to where I need to go. And that's usually not the answer. You know, the most powerful force on earth, I think Ben Franklin said it, is compounding interest, right? You'd be amazed how little you probably need to start putting towards the goals that you have to actually reach the goals that you have. But time is the only thing that you don't have a lot of. So you better get started. Well, and I will be happy to talk about the experience that we had coming in for our consultation at Aptus. And you can set yours up by phoning, uh, getting an appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Yeah, I was probably fearing coming in because I thought that perhaps we hadn't done enough or what we'd done was not smart. We should have done something different. I don't think anybody likes to uh, contemplate that they might be told that they've made a mistake. And not only have they made a mistake, but they've made a mistake that is a 20 year old mistake. And they, you know, so, but none of that happened. It was basically just a conversation about, and this was a surprise to me. My wife and I had never really talked about her view of investing and my view of investing. And I knew it was different, but uh, it helped to, like, have that out in the open. It helped to be able to talk about that, to find out that as we left, we weren't as uh, different in our approaches as I perhaps thought we were. And then what really helped was to, once we shared with you the information about what we had done, was to see how you put it into what you do and built that blueprint for us so that we could see where we're headed, what recommendations you made, where that would take us, and that kind of thing. And as I've said many times, and it's totally true, the gain that we got out of it was not that I have any guarantee that on this date I'll have X amount of money and I know I'll never have to work in. It was, we're in a good path, we have a plan, we're executing the plan, and most importantly, we know why we're executing the plan. We know what the plan is. We agree with it, not because it was dictated to us, but because we felt like it was a collaborative effort and it made sense to us. Well, you, whether you know it or not, you built it. Right? No, I didn't know that. If you think about it, you know, this whole process, the first meeting, is learning what you want to accomplish. The only thing that separates you and I is I understand the tools necessary for the job. And everybody that's listening right now, and you can confirm this as well, is more than capable of understanding what those options are if they're explained to you correctly. Ultimately, it's your choice to pick those options. So at no point did I say, this is what you should do. You're going to do this, this, and this, and this. No, you didn't. I said, here's some choices. Here's the pros and cons. 
Note that if you do this one, you might have to save a little bit more money, but it comes with maybe more guarantees or it could be some different things. If we do this, it's going to be cause a little bit more pain up front, but that'll be offset by some tax savings, et cetera. However, uh, here's the pros and cons to that. And then you choose, and that builds the plan. It, it's really your plan. I'm just the one, uh, I'm the deciphering decoder ring between, you know, real life and uh, the financial jargon world, right? Well, that dovetails with something my father told me years ago when I bought my first house and I had some kind of a project that I was going to hire somebody to do it. And he said, the only difference between you and that guy is he has the tools. You can buy the tools and you can try to do it. No, oh, by the way, if you screw it up, you can still hire that person. So I find coming into you and having these conversations that we have here, being armed with the information, knowing where the information is, uh, having somebody explain it to you that understands it, you're giving me the tools to be able to in effect, get to a point of financial independence that before I was hoping I would get to, but it's not fun to like work, save, and then find out on the back end, we didn't maximize our ability to grow what we had, or in worst case scenario, we made a really terrible mistake, which goes back to these numbers that you just cited that 60% of the people fear running out of money more than they fear death. Why do you think they fear it more? Because if you run out of money, you have to cope with not having money and if you're dead you're dead and it's not your problem anymore yeah i guess it's better to be dead than alive and broke i i don't know you know why are people more terrified here we are talking on the radio and people are more terrified of doing that than death as well so you know everybody has their own fears and and while conquering the fear of speaking in front of front of a group is a is a painful process fortunately for you the process of learning how not to run out of money doesn't have to be a painful process and i i think you know, as we talk about the misconceptions of people coming in for these meetings, I think oftentimes in today's, you know, technology and information age, we get little snippets. We get a lot of information from a lot of different sources, and then we're left to kind of try and interpret all of that information. And sometimes we start to d- build almost shields around ourselves because we feel like we're being manipulated with all this information and we don't want to make the wrong decision. Um, so, you know, try and ignore some of the small talk you hear. Everybody's plan is going to be different. Um, there is a logical pattern that's time-tested that has worked for generations and generations and generations. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been nuanced changes to it. But there is a, a blueprint, uh, not to sound cliche with the, you know our, our process called the blueprint process, but there is a blueprint on how to execute all this. Now, has the blueprint process and building a house changed over the years? Yeah, we have hurricane standards, all sorts of different stuff. But I assure you that the concept of building a, a two-by-four wall hasn't really changed that much in no. the last 100 years. So we can get you to where you need to go. You just have to take the first step. First step would be getting that consultation. Set it up by calling the office at Aptus, 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth. Website is A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. While you're on the website, sign up for Josh's YouTube channel. Subscribe. You'll be notified when new content posts. The content can be played at your speed. Stop it, take notes on it, share it with friends, sit down, discuss it with your spouse, watch it a second time. And one of the things that I'm noticing now in the headlines, Josh, is that perhaps the way people are folding in the challenges of current market conditions, we talked about volatility, we talked about inflation, things cost more, and their fear of running out of money is to deal with it via that convenient little piece of plastic in your pocket and that's not just an individual problem with credit card debt in the united states is at an all-time high 
But it is also a governmental problem where uh, we have a national debt now in excess of $31 trillion, and we are starting to see some prognostications. I think it was the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan group that evaluates where we are financially in this country, saying that we are on a very fast track to $50 trillion in national debt. Credit is a convenience, but it can be a very bad thing for people in terms of building wealth for later on in life. Yeah, I mean, we we talk oftentimes about the power in in my office, and specifically when I go speak to kids in colleges, um, graduating seniors, this is something that I harp on a lot. The power of getting ahead and the power of getting behind. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we talk about the power of getting ahead, compound interest and getting ahead and having a savings account and having all these things that make you, quote unquote, bulletproof in the event of emergencies. But we kind of neglect that that power of getting ahead, the exact opposite is, is getting behind. And the unfortunate side of getting behind is that compounding interest is far more significant. It's not unusual to see credit cards with 20% interest rates. Once you get behind, it is really, really difficult to dig yourself back out of that hole. So I think we have to have a significant amount of prudence here and say, I I know I want the shiny new thing, but should I save up for it and appreciate it more, which doesn't seem to be the American way these days. It's I want it and I want it now, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to go buy it right now and then I'll figure out a way to pay it off. And while that might be an okay strategy for you, because you go, well, my paycheck, paycheck comes around, something always happens. Always happens. I, I'm gonna my next paycheck. I'm gonna pay this off. What happens between now and the next paycheck? Hot water tank went out. Now sure. I can't pay it off. And now right. that four hundred dollar item I bought is now you know a five hundred dollar item because of the interest tacked onto it. And now you're steadily digging your way out of the hole. Similarly, as you correlated back to the United States, we have the exact same problem. The only difference between us and the United States is we don't have the ability to print money to pay it off. We <laughs> actually have to go make it. The government can just kind of taxation without representation of sorts, print money, just tax you through inflation and pay off their own debts. But at some point, there will be a critical tipping point there. Now, we don't know where it is or when it's going to occur, but we're going to have to come up with something. So just to make sure that you know people understand that this is an equal opportunity problem regarding political parties, the national debt was around $10 trillion in 2009 when Barack Obama took office. Uh, when Donald Trump took office in 2016, it was essentially $20 trillion. When he left office, it was $28 trillion. Obama dealt with the aftermath of the housing crash. Trump dealt with the pandemic. And now uh, Joe Biden, two years into his presidency, it's climbed from $28 trillion to $31 trillion and climbing. So uh, it is a nice, quote-unquote, perk to have as a government when you can print money and throw money at problems and give money away when you shut things down. But I don't know how this scenario would look if there's a catastrophic toll exacted for our debt getting, quote unquote, out of control. Would it be a gradual warning or would it more likely be a big crash that we equate to past events like maybe the housing crisis or way back the Depression? Well, mathematically, it should be a gradual equation. Unfortunately, however, I don't have a lot of faith in any party in government to really take a giant chunk out of this problem. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to have to take a catastrophic event for anybody to actually address it. I feel the same way with Social Security. We know that Social Security is going to run out of money by a certain date. And I assure you that no politician is going to address it until 
within 12 months of that date because it's just not politically favorable. Well, similarly with our debt, what could happen to throw it into the stratosphere overnight where it becomes a big problem? Well, rising interest rates are a big problem, so I assure you that they want to curtail inflation so that they can bring down interest rates to lower their debt service. Uh, Two would be, and you hear this a lot, and this is a little bit of fear-mongering, but, well, what if the United States and the U.S. dollar is no longer the world currency? Well, now all of a sudden our ability to print money at the same clip that we were before gets lessened quite a bit because now it's not a world currency problem, which is kind of what the U.S. is in right now because if the U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency, it's the world's inflation problem to somewhat deal with. Yeah. But if we get eliminated from that, well, now it's exclusively the U.S.'s problem. Well, that becomes a little bit bigger issue. So my hope is that we get some smarter, more pragmatic minds in Washington to start addressing the problem. Yeah. And it is interesting how these same principles that apply to us as individuals also, when extrapolated out on a larger scale, apply to our country. So we're going to talk more about how you deal with these challenges and how you manage your wealth and how you grow it and how you have the peace of mind that my wife and I have gained by going through the Aptus process. 614-917-1040 to set up that consultation. A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com is the website. Stick around. The second half of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show comes your way next. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, 614-917-1040, the number to set up your appointment. As I said, they're located in Lewis Center just off Route 750, a bit north of 23 and 270 as we sit here and discuss getting people to financial independence. Josh, a big part of that is what do you have to pay the government every year? Because if you can reduce your tax liability, you have more to invest. Yeah, I would suggest that most people shy of maybe their mortgage payment, maybe even including their mortgage payment, their tax bill is probably their largest bill. So any way we can reduce that uh, definitely makes a significant difference in the long run. And I think, you know, we've we've probably beaten to death a lot of the common things, like make sure that if you can qualify for it, you do an HSA every year if you mm-hmm. can afford it, which is putting away money pre-tax, gross tax deferred, and you pull money out tax-free as long as you use it for health care expenses. Um, the other option would be make sure that you're maximizing your qualified plans through your employer. You can put that money in either pre-tax, which is great, or you can do the post-tax option, and then you effectively are in a Roth situation where you have no taxes down the line. And there's a bunch of things like that, and and I would suggest that everybody goes to uh, my website, go to the Knowledge Center tab, and you can sign up for our newsletter. And even this, uh, just today we released a newsletter with seven things you can do from now until tax time to impact your tax situation. But let's mm-hmm. talk about some more Maybe more specific things that I see all the time, uh, two of which I can think about right now that I saw this week with clients that came in from other advisors. So these are clients that were not my clients yet, but were either referred to me or or called us for whatever reason. And these scenarios showed up with them and they, they can make a significant difference. And it's things that I see all the time that just doesn't make any sense to me. Here's one. I had a client who inherited a lot of money. So, um, think several million dollars. And all of that money is sitting in what we would call non-qualified accounts. So this is just after-tax dollars, the taxes have already been paid, they're in brokerage accounts earning earning interest or, you know, they're invested in stocks. And my question to him was, why are you not transitioning over $14,000 a year from your non-qualified account into Roth IRAs for you and your wife every year? And they qualify for it. So income-wise, they're fine. Okay. And he said, well, why would I want to do that? 
Well, right now, your money is sitting in a non-qualified account getting capital gains dividends interest. Every single year, whether you use that money or not, you're paying taxes on those capital gains dividends and interest. If you shift over $14,000 from your non-qualified account, think of it as taking a pair of shoes from one shelf, put on the other, it's still on the same shelf, right? It doesn't matter. It's still your money. You're not locking it up or anything like that. Every dollar of interest, capital gains, or dividends that are received once you put it in that Roth IRA is tax-free forever. It's the same thing. Don't change the investments. Do the same thing. And he goes, well, why, why would my other advisor tell me to do this? I don't have the slightest idea. The only option I can come up with is, and this is you know, why fiduciary standards I think are pretty important and why the industry keeps on shifting that direction, is it's extra work for no extra money, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here's the funny part. People talk about Roth conversions all the time. Why is my advisor not telling me about Roth conversions? Well, let's think about it. If you have a million-dollar account and I'm making 1% or whatever my fee is off of the million-dollar account, I make ten grand a year. If I take 500000 of that and I do a Roth conversion with it, we have to pay the taxes on it first, right? So maybe now I'm only managing $900,000. Now, it's far better for you to be in the Roth and do all the tax planning, all that stuff. But now I'm doing extra applications, extra work, all of this extra stuff, extra explanation, the yeah. list goes on, to make less money. It doesn't make any sense. That's why they don't explain it to you. Now, I'm of the belief that good planning in the long run, it all works out, right? Ultimately, if it's in a tax-free environment and you're at some point, I would assume you're saving all this money to actually use it. Okay, so I'm going to make less money today, but in the future, you're going to need to withdraw less money because you don't have to pay any taxes. So it's all going to work out in the wash, right? But I don't understand why people don't do that. And I see that kind of thing happen all the time. So first, uh, I guess, idea would be, If you have a lot of non-qualified dollars and you can qualify for a Roth and you're not doing it, you should be doing it. The second one that came in this week, uh, which this is kind of a clever use. I know we've been talking over the past couple of weeks about life insurance. Mm -hmm. How can you use life insurance uh, for tax-free income? Well, let's assume that you don't want to use the life insurance for tax-free income. You want to have the life insurance for death benefit, but you'd also like to do Roth conversions. There's an interesting little strategy. So let's say I have a million-dollar IRA. I'd like to convert some of that to a Roth, but I know I'm going to have to pay taxes on it. But I don't really want to pay taxes on it because who wants to pay taxes? But I also have this life insurance policy that I've never used that's got a $500,000 death benefit, but it's got $250,000 worth of cash value in it. Insert your numbers. It really doesn't matter. I can convert $100,000 of my IRA to a Roth. I have to pay taxes on the IRA. Mm -hmm. But why don't I take a loan off my life insurance policy, tax-free, to pay the taxes on the Roth conversion? Well, now I have a tax-free death benefit that still remains on my life insurance policy. I'm paying maybe 1% as a loan rate on my life insurance policy to, in turn, pay for tax liability that might be 20 or 30% on my IRA. That's a very – now, if you didn't follow that, that's kind of a complicated one. But my point and what I'm trying to convey here is we so many times talk about how can I get a higher rate of return? How can I, what's the best stock to buy? How can I go from zero to a million in 10 seconds? Right. What we'd never talk about, which I would argue can move the needle on your financial picture just as much, is how do I make this money without paying taxes on it? Legally, we're not talking about any sort of funny business here. And the reason that not a lot of effort is focused on it, I believe, is unfortunately because there's not a lot of money to be made on it. But, If you're going to, from my perspective, if you're going to acquire 
significantly high net worth, astute clients who are looking at you. And we've heard this all before. Why would I work with an advisor? You know, I can do all this stuff on my own. I have Vanguard. I have whatever, yeah. right? Why would I work with you? Because you're not getting that information from Vanguard. So if you're going to pay me to do something, I better be able to hold up my end of the bargain and show you something that you can't do on your own that actually makes a significant impact. So these are the types of strategies that we do all the time. It's not just money management. It's wealth management as it relates to taxes. Josh and I have done this show for a while, and we talk off air too. Uh, He's outlined a couple of these scenarios where I've thought a couple things. Number one, that's really brilliant. Number two, like, wow, I would never have thought to bring to my financial advisor a question about how should I buy this boat or how should I buy this car or what should I do with this rental property or something like that. Because I do tend to think of, I have in the past thought of of an investment advisor as somebody who just is interested in taking whatever amount of money I can give him to invest and that's the end of it. But you really, you are a wealth advisor and, and I'm interested, you're a fiduciary, which we talked before, you're contractually obligated to do what's best for your client. In that scenario you outlined for the person who had a million dollars and they could put some of it in a Roth and pay less taxes and all that, you said that maybe they had an advisor who wouldn't do that because they're going to not make any money off the person giving them less money to invest. How does the system work where fiduciaries are held to the standard of, are you doing what's best for the client? How does that work? Like, Are there investment advisors who are not fiduciaries? Uh, for, well, there's not investment advisors that aren't fiduciaries, but there are certainly quote-unquote advisors that aren't fiduciaries. So there's two ways really to operate in this business. Way number one is an investment advisor, which is the definition of essentially fiduciary. So you're, what that means is you're being paid a fee for service. So you get a flat fee that cannot be disproportionately paid based upon any one product versus the other. Simple explanation would be we have – you say you want to buy – uh, a mutual fund and mutual fund a pays me 5% commission and mutual fund B pays me 4% commission. If I was a broker, which is the other side of the house, as long as they're both suitable for you, I can pick whichever one I want. Now, maybe the one that's 5% commission to me isn't quite as good as the one that's 4% commission to me, but it doesn't matter because right. they're both suitable. A fiduciary on the other hand, or an investment advisor, let's say that, you know, the fee is 1%. I have to make the same 1% as 1% as 1%. doesn't matter the product. So how do I make more money? Well, I make more money by your account size growing. Sure. So I would be inclined to do two things, which I think are incredibly valuable. One, make sure that I pick an investment that gives you the best upside potential. And two, pick an investment that not only gives you the most upside potential, but has the least volatility risk. Because from that advisor's perspective, if the market goes down 30% and you go down the full 30% with them, his income just went down by 30%. He doesn't want that either, or she doesn't want that either. Right. So I think, you know, the fiduciary side of things puts you on the same side of the table as the client and certainly levels the playing field and lets you know that while maybe this fiduciary or this investment advisor isn't the smartest person ever, isn't the best advisor ever, at least I know that well-built fences make for great neighbors and they have my best interests in mind. They have to. What it doesn't ensure is whether or not that investment advisor knows a lot. There's, I mean, it means they passed the test. Mm-hmm. It means that, um, you know, they've passed ethical standards. It means that they don't have, you know, significant things on their background check, but just like everything else in life. I mean, there's, there's D student doctors and A student doctors, right? And the real challenge, I believe, is finding who was the A student doctor. And there's a couple ways you can do that. One is through referrals. 
The other way is educate yourself enough to know when you're speaking to somebody that they, they know their stuff. So my wife and I sat through the consultation at Aptus, and we are now clients at Aptus. And I say that not because I'm trying to pressure you into becoming clients at Aptus or because I get anything out of it if you become clients. I say that because we just reached a total peace of mind. And when you turn over your retirement to somebody else, I mean, there has to be trust there. And we went through the process and we developed trust, not that we didn't have it going in, but you know, there's a different level of trust where you just know somebody as opposed to saying, yeah, I want to put you in charge of my investments, but we also understood what was happening and what the strategies were. And, uh, you know, I've got a little bit of uh, inside baseball knowledge here because Josh and I do talk about these scenarios and I'm like, okay, this guy really knows his stuff, but that's up to you. And, you know, I, I'd be curious to know, Josh, if people come in, if they make the call, they called 614-917-1040, or they set it up online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Like you didn't campaign, I should do this because... Uh, and I don't know if that happens, if that's what people fear when they're thinking about the process. But give me your kind of viewpoint of how you relate to clients and if people would be interested in coming in, what they can expect from that conversation. Yeah, well, I think one is that it's not a sales process. That's a very big shocker to people, I think. I think they're waiting for the shoe to drop where they go, aha, bait and switched me. I knew you were trying to sell me a XYZ product, right? And, and that just doesn't happen. Um, the other thing that I think is shocking to people is that it's it's pretty time consuming. It, it's not just one meeting. It, it takes several meetings to figure this out. And the reason for that is, you know, the old adage, how to eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. As we're talking on this radio show, it sounds like, wow, these are really kind of some complicated, you know, strategies. How in the world am I going to understand this stuff? Well, you're not going to in one meeting. Uh, it's going to take a while, but we'll get there. So the process is one where we understand who you are and what you've done so far. And part of that is learning what your background is. You know, engineers have a certain way of thinking versus somebody who does a different occupation. So you have to kind of cater how you're delivering the information. But then in meeting two, we simply just analyze what you've done and we see if the arrow hits a target. Now, through that conversation, we get to talk about different elements of financial planning. What is risk? We talk about it all the time, but what is it? What's the difference between risk and volatility? Is there a difference? What are the potential landmines that could affect you when you're in your 60s and 70s that had no bearing on you in your 40s and 50s. And through this kind of piecemeal giving of knowledge along the way, you start to develop a base knowledge and understanding of what this whole process is. Not until meeting three do we actually kind of give you the solutions, the blueprint. And at that point, after meeting number three, we kind of figure out, hey, is this a good relationship, yes or no? Is this something you want to pursue? Are you a good client for us? Because we can't help everybody. Um, And then we move on. So there's never, I think the shocker would be, the decision is never rushed and the decision is never forced at no point. Am I going to go, Hey, I'm going to go get the paperwork. You ready to sign? You're probably going to have to ask me for it. That's just not the way that we, we work. I'm very fortunate in that, you know, probably the most difficult part of this business is acquiring clients. And that just really isn't a difficult uh, thing for us, uh, which is, I mean, we're truly blessed to be in that position, but what we're really looking for is good people who are reasonably like-minded. who are willing to follow through on what they say and who desperately desire to get the answers that they're looking for for the peace of mind that you were talking about. Aptus is located in Lewis Center. They're just off Route 750, and that's not far from 23 and 270. They do service a lot of clients remotely, so if you're out of the area, that's not an impediment to becoming an Aptus client. Their number is 614-917-1040. Their website is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, and you can become a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel for free. Get notified when new content is posted 
These kinds of concepts that we talk about here on the show, which airs Friday night at 7 and Saturday at noon, same kind of thing. We just break it down in smaller doses, and you can pause that content or share it or watch watch it again, take notes on it. Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show, again, airs at 7 o'clock Friday and at noon Saturday. Do you find when you have consultations with people that uh, you have a lot of financial bad habits to break with people or because they're coming in, they've already prioritized uh, to some degree – managing their wealth and building retirement, that there are people who already have pretty good habits in place? Uh, there's both. Um, I would say in general, if you're coming to meet with me, you've probably saved some money. Uh, otherwise, it's very difficult to understand what we're even talking about, or at least you're on a path of being consistent mm-hmm. in your way of savings. I think rather than bad habits, the conversations that we have a lot are misconceptions. Um, and, and I'll use a couple of examples. You know, People will come in very, very often and say, uh, by the way, just letting you know, I hate annuities. Now I'm just picking on them yeah. because they seem to get a lot of press and get okay. picked on a lot. And my response is always the same. Me too. But some of them I like. You know, because this broad brushstroke, I mean, how can you just say you hate everything, right? What if I said that there was an annuity contract out there that, you know, cured cancer and solved all your problems? You would probably like that one. Yeah, that'd be a good one. You just don't know that it exists yet. Um, and, you know, with all financial instruments, again, just picking on annuities, but we could insert life insurance, insert mutual fund, insert, you know, pick your poison. Yep. There are good ones and bad ones. And the secret, the secret sauce is knowing what ones you need for your solution. I'll give you an example. So we were going over uh, client appointments. Here's another client appointment I had this week. A gentleman came into my office and he said, um, I'm terrified of the market. I haven't been in the market in 10 years. I've been sitting in cash, which you and I both know probably hasn't done you uh, a whole lot of favors in the last 10 years as inflation has been skyrocketing in the last two years and interest rates have been essentially zero for the last 10 years until the last 12 months yeah, or so. Yeah, he's missed a lot of gains. He's missed a lot of gains. He would, have, he would have probably tripled or quadrupled his money if he was in the stock market <laughs> over the same time period. But he said, I'm just terrified. I don't want to go into it. I know you financial planner people, uh, you know, you want us to go into stocks. And he's like, you're kind of... You're kind of beating up the wrong tree if you think that I'm going to do that. So I don't know how you're going to help me, but I'm here to listen because what I'm doing ain't working. Okay, fair. Gee, holding his money and not investing it is not working. Big yeah, shock. shocker, right? So, you know, what did we end up coming to the conclusion on? Ironically, the other thing that he hated was annuities. Now, this guy is an annuity buyer. I mean, if there was a brochure yeah. for who should buy an annuity, it's this guy. His concerns were, I want lifetime income that I can't outlive. I'd like to have inflation adjustments. I don't care about leaving any money to my kids because I don't, you know, they're all doing better than I am. I'm divorced. I don't need to worry about a, my, my wife. So I just want to make sure that I have as much income as possible to live out my days, and I want to make sure I don't outlive it. That is the brochure for an annuity contract, right? But he said he didn't want one. So I described a product that would do everything that I just said an annuity would do. And I said, there's only one downside to the product. He goes, what's that? I said, you're going to have to get over your misconceptions about annuities. Anyone, are you serious? I said, yep. Let me explain to you how it works. So you don't need the money for five years. It will grow at a guaranteed, your income benefit, what your income is based upon, will grow at a guaranteed, guaranteed 7.5% over the next five years. When you start taking the money, your income will last for the rest of your life, as long as you shall live. If you die the day two... Your beneficiaries will still get the remaining balance of what you had in the contract to begin with. 
And every single year, you will get a guaranteed 4.5% inflation adjustment. Every single year. He goes, how is that possible? Well, we can get to that in a second, but is that what you're looking for? Yep. So why am I telling this story? Because we we have, you asked me about misconceptions or 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 preconceived notions. Preconceived notions or bad habits. Sometimes our bad habits are our own naivety, right? Our bad habits are thinking that we have something all figured out. Now, the reality was what he thought an annuity was, was a variable annuity. There's four different kinds in general. Mm-hmm. He specifically described a variable annuity. He didn't even know there was three other kinds. He didn't know that a pension essentially was an annuity contract. Similarly, people go, I don't want to get in the stock market because I don't want to gamble. They don't know that there's a million different ways to skin this cat. You can do it without gambling. You can do it with bookended risk tolerances. Yes, there's a lot of ways you can do things. So you have to have conversations about getting over those misconceptions. Well, yeah, and we don't know what bad experiences enter into people's lives. Uh, number one, they they might have a good reason. Maybe they got burned with something, but they don't, as you said, with the annuities, they didn't know there were other options that are structured differently. Um, they may not have good information at all. Maybe they just have a wrong label on it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we've talked before about the number of different investments you just referenced, the strategy that I chose, at least in part, which is there's a way to be in the market, but not be in the riskiest aspect of the market where you sacrifice a little bit on certain in certain uh, gains. You might sacrifice a little bit, but you also protect yourself against big losses. Yeah, I mean, think of it as insuring your money. Um, and, and for those of you who are familiar with the strategy, you've probably already started to tilt towards always talking about indexed annuities. And sure, that's an option, but that's not the only option on hedging your hedging your bet, if you want to think of it that way. Think of it very simply as if the market goes up and I'm invested in the Vanguard S&P 500 fund, because that's what people call the market, well, then my only cost associated with that is a very small percentage, 25 basis points, maybe a quarter of a percent, maybe less. But I get 100% of the up and 100% of the down. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to say, you know what, I'm okay if I only get 80% of the up, but I'd like to only absorb 20% of the down. Yeah, you can do that. What if I would like to, if the market goes up, I'd like to get the first 15% of it. But if it goes down, I'd like to, I'll absorb the first five. I can tolerate that. But anything beyond that really starts to get in my craw, right? So I want to make Mm -hmm. sure that the next 25 or whatever it is is taken care of. All of these things are available. You just need to know where to look. And you need to know what you're actually looking for, which is why that first meeting is so important. I need to understand what makes you tick, what you're looking for. And then my job is to find the right tool for the job. So when the fulfillment that you get out of doing what you do, uh, what is it? Is it in, um, you know, escalating returns? Is it more uh, relational than that? What's the what's the value, the personal value that you get out of doing what you do? Uh, well, one, uh, I've met some really cool people. We've had we've had conversations yeah. offline about just even the experiences that I've been able to do. I mean, ranging from, you know, getting in a flight simulator because, you know, somebody who works <laughs> at that particular thing, which is super cool to I mean, just some great lifelong relationships, people that had some amazing jobs working for different different companies. So the stories that I get to receive are are I mean, they're just remarkable and it keeps it interesting and new all the time. Um, so, you know, around a cocktail hour, I got a lot of good stories, I guess, because they're a lot of fun. Now, that said, where do I get the actual, you know, fulfillment or what's the purpose driven part in my life? Um, 
you know, taking people who are fearful and giving them peace of mind has a lot of value. And I think that stems from, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, but when I was a kid, my father died when I was young. So when I was 13, my father died unexpectedly, uh, very quickly of cancer. And my mom, like many uh, mothers back in that time frame, was a homemaker. She didn't work. She didn't balance checkbook. She didn't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she was saddled with the responsibility of trying to figure it all out very, very quickly. And unfortunately, um, you know, blood gets in the water. They know there's a little bit of death benefit proceeds out there. And I saw how, unfortunately, and hopefully she doesn't get mad at me for saying this out loud, but I saw how certain people, in my opinion, took some pretty significant advantage of that situation. And by no means, by the way, were we wealthy. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're talking lower middle class at best. So what I saw was that people who are naive to options can be taken advantage of. So my job or what I enjoy is not just giving people the right plan. You can do, I can do that just by, you know, send me your stuff, send me your statements, tell me how much income you want. I'll spit it back out to you. But showing people what their choices are, giving them the empowerment of knowing why they're doing what they're doing and seeing how they live their life differently. Now that's, that's a purpose driven life right there. And uh, I'll just tell you guys, you know, I knew Josh a long time before I broached the topic of, you know, getting together with him for the free consultation. It was not driven by him at all. So it's uh, it's not low pressure. It's no pressure. It is free. Uh, you'll get to know him. You'll understand more about the process. That's what I say all the time. Sherry and I have gained from it is that total peace of mind. Set up your consultation online by going to aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You can make your appointment on the phone, 614-917-1040. Josh, great to have you in the office as always. We'll talk to you again Monday on the Bruce Hooley Show at 1230. Sounds great. Thanks, Bruce. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.